Hello and welcome to the Point of Care podcast. Today's episode is on acute gout flare in the inpatient setting. For some background and definitions, gout is characterized by the chronic deposition of monosodium urate crystals into the synovium. Acute gout flares happen when there's increased deposition or mobilization of these crystals, leading to inflammation in the joint space. Gout is caused by elevated uric acid levels, which can be caused by decreased renal excretion or increased production. Hyperuricemia is necessary but not sufficient to cause gout. It's three to five times as common in gout. If left untreated, flares can last days to weeks, but they will almost always resolve on their own. If gout is not treated relatively early in its course, gout flares tend to become increasingly frequent and severe and are often polyarticular. Calcium pyrophosphate deposition disease, or CPPD, also known as pseudogout, is another crystalline arthropathy. It's very common in patients over 80, but it's often asymptomatic. It's more commonly treated with intraarticular steroids as a first line, followed by typical gout treatment. CPPD is more likely to be associated with hyperparathyroidism, hypothyroidism, hypomagnesemia, or hemochromatosis, and more commonly involves the knees, wrists, and metacarpophalangeal joints instead of the MTP joint. It will also more likely show articular chondrocalcinosis on x-ray due to deposition in cartilage. For the pathophysiology of gout, the solubility threshold for monosodium urate is greater than 6.8 mg per deciliter, at which time circulating uric acid can turn into crystals. A sudden increase or decrease in uric acid levels can lead to a flare. A decrease can lead to mobilization of deposits already inside the joint and provoke a flare. This is the reason a flare can happen when starting and up-titrating allopurinol, and you should have anti-inflammatory prophylaxis for 3-6 to six months when you start. Flares are triggered when macrophages in the synovium ingest the crystals, leading to activation of the NLRP3 inflammasome and generation of interleukin-1b, which propagates inflammatory pathways. Gout flares often begin or are worse at night waking up the patient due to low body temperatures and a higher likelihood of dehydration, and possibly due to lower cortisol levels, Uric acid is the end product of purine metabolism and is excreted by kidneys. Almost all serum urate is filtered at the glomerulus, but approximately 90% is reabsorbed in the proximal tubule. In most patients with gout, hereditary underexcretion of uric acid is the primary cause of hyperuricemia, but CKD also increases the risk due to secondary underexcretion. Tophi are aggregations of urate crystals and giant cells that are formed after repeated attacks and can cause deformities and arthritis of joints. Premenopausal women are generally protected from hyperuricemia by estrogenic effects, and first flares are almost always after menopause. When you're admitting a patient, for the checklist, start with triage, determining the need for synovial fluid and the site of care. There are multiple tools to help determine whether or not you need to get synovial fluid. You should admit the patient if the diagnosis is uncertain, if they need analgesia, or they have an inability to perform their daily activities due to pain. For your chart check, look for previous flares, their uric acid level, renal function, allopurinol use or recent fills, diuretic use, any orthopedic surgeries, and any prior infections. Things that you can't miss include septic joint, 
cellulitis, and fractures or dislocation. For your admission orders, beyond basic labs, send an ESR and CRP, a uric acid, noting it might not be helpful in an acute flare, and consider imaging with joint x-rays, as well as arthrocentesis studies. The initial treatment you can consider includes NSAIDs, colchicine, glucocorticoids, and analgesia, which we'll talk about later. When you see the patient for your HPI intake, ask them about prior flares. When was their last flare? How frequently are they getting them? And how long do the flares tend to last? Ask them about their current medications, including allopurinol, diuretics, aspirin, and check for adherence and any recent changes. Ask about the onset, ideally within the last 24 hours, if it woke them from sleep, and the time of day. Ask about involved joints, including the big toe, knee, and ask if it's same as prior flares. Ask them about symptoms including pain, erythema, edema, warmth, and reduced range of motion. Fevers and chills can be present but are less common. Triggers can include dehydration, diuretic use, aspirin, alcohol, procedures, and TLS. Ask them about their diet including meats, liver, seafood, beer, and sugary drinks. Check their comorbidities including hypertension, type 2 diabetes, CKD, and OSA. And as a reminder, risk factors for gout include male sex, previous attacks, onset within 24 hours, erythema over the joint, monoarticular disease, especially the MTP joint, an inability to tolerate palpation or to bear weight, a uric acid greater than 6, and a history of CKD or cardiometabolic disease. When it comes to things to focus on in your exam, for general, look for fevers or distress. For their extremities, look for swelling, warmth, pain, and range of motion. And for their skin, look for erythema and subcutaneous nodules consistent with TOFI. For the etiology and differential, infectious etiologies include a septic joint, cellulitis, and Lyme arthritis. Inflammatory etiologies include RA, or palindromic rheumatism, psoriatic arthritis, and reactive arthritis. Other crystal-induced etiologies include CPPD or pseudogout and basic calcium phosphate, which most commonly happens in the shoulder. Trauma and MSK etiologies can include sprains, fractures, and erosive osteoarthritis. For your plan, for the workup, if you are going to do arthrocentesis, make sure you send cell counts, cultures, and crystal analysis. For imaging, you can get x-rays of the affected joints, but you can get also ultrasound or CT in equivocal cases. The goals of treatment is to start therapy within 24 hours of symptom onset. You usually go for monotherapy, but you can consider combo therapy if the patient has severe pain if it's more than one large joint or more than four total joints. You can also treat empirically if you have a high suspicion for gout, otherwise it's a good idea to get fluid studies. Option for treatment include colchicine if it's within 24 hours of symptom onset. You'll start with 1.2 milligrams once, then 0.6 milligrams one hour later, then 0.6 milligrams daily until two to three days after symptoms resolve. You'll need to dose reduce a statin, and you should avoid in cirrhosis or if the GFR is less than 30. You can also give NSAIDs instead. This can be ibuprofen 800 milligrams TID or naproxen 500 milligrams BID for five to seven days. You should avoid this if the patient has a history of GI bleed, CKD, or a recent MI. Prednisone is also an option, and a common dose is 40 mg daily until symptoms resolved, followed by a taper every three days to prevent rebound. 
and you should consider a PPI if a patient's on a steroid for a prolonged period. For prophylaxis in general and acute flares, you'll continue the patient's home allopurinol. You should start after the flare if they have greater than two attacks per year, CKD3 or more, uric acid greater than 9, the presence of TOFI, or radiographic evidence of damage from gout. You'll usually start with allopurinol 50 to 100 milligrams daily, titrated gradually at 100 milligrams per week to a max dose of 800 to 900 milligrams daily. If you're giving more than 300 milligrams, you should give them in divided doses throughout the day. You'll often take this medicine indefinitely to have a goal of uric acid less than 6. Before starting allopurinol, test for the HLA-B5801 allele in risky populations if you're planning on starting it. Other ways to address pain include rest and ice packs. Before we get into pearls, if you remember nothing else, gout is caused by chronic deposition of monosodium urate into the synovium, and flares are caused when there's an inflammatory response to the presence of these crystals, either due to increased deposition or mobilization of the deposits that are already present. Elements of the history and workup that favor a diagnosis of gout flare include a history of elevated uric acid and the presence of podagra and monoarthritis. Make sure you don't miss a septic joint. If equivocal, tap the joint and send studies and gram staining cultures. Treatment is early NSAIDs and or colchicine. Intraarticular or systemic steroids can also be considered if there are contraindications for NSAIDs. Discuss starting allopurinol if the patient has more than two flares per year, CKD, TOFI, or uric acid over nine. Don't start allopurinol in the midst of a flare without adequate anti-inflammatory treatment. Starting allopurinol can precipitate a flare by mobilizing intraarticular deposits. Patients with the HLA-B5801 allele have an increased risk of hypersensitivity to allopurinol. The goal of prophylactic treatment with allopurinol is to keep the UA below 6 to prevent future flares. For some pearls related to etiology, foods that can quickly raise uric acid and precipitate a flare include organ meats, such as liver, beer, and other high purine foods, including seafood, red meat, and high fructose. Alcohol metabolites compete with uric acid to be excreted by the kidneys. Diuretics both loop and thiazides can raise uric acid levels. Losartan, calcium channel blockers, phenofibrate, and SGLT2 inhibitors promote uricosuria and lower serum urate concentrations. Aspirin can raise uric acid via stimulation of urat-1, which reabsorbs uric acid in the kidney, but the ACR recommends against stopping it in patients with an indication for being on it. For pearls related to the presentation and diagnosis of gout, Gout can be diagnosed clinically without evidence of monosodium urate crystals in the joints. Podagra, also known as a painful big toe or metatarsophalangeal joint or MTP, is the first symptom in 50% of patients in early gout flares. Tophi are masses of uric acid and fibrous tissue, and they can appear on extensor surfaces of the elbows, distal Achilles tendon, and fingers, usually the proximal and distal interphalangeal joints. A uric acid of greater than 6 to 8 favors gout, but can be low or normal during flares since all of the uric acid is depositing in the joints and or inflammation may lower serum levels. A serum urate level two weeks after a gout flare resolution more accurately measures the patient's baseline. White blood cells in the synovial fluid are usually 10 to 50,000 in gout. 
much higher than that would be concerning for a septic joint. Some likelihood ratios for septic joint include recent surgery with a likelihood ratio of 6.9, a prosthesis with overlying skin infection with a likelihood ratio of 15, a white blood cell count over 100 is a likelihood ratio of 28, Negatively birefringent needle-shaped crystals on arthrocentesis have a sensitivity of 63 to 78% and a specificity of 93 to 100% for gout. Pseudogout, on the other hand, will show positively birefringent rhomboid-shaped crystals. Note that the presence of crystals does not rule out an infection. You should always send cultures if you have a clinical concern. X-rays are usually negative in gout, but can help rule out fractures and possibly a septic joint. In gout, an ultrasound may show a double contour sign at the cartilage surfaces, and this is specific for urate deposition. Sleep apnea is highly associated with gout because they have similar risk populations. And in cellulitis, you'll often see erythema on an area that's not directly around the joint. For some pearls related to treatment, treatment for a flare can be empiric if it's high suspicion, otherwise keep your differential broad and get synovial fluid. Outpatients should have a pill-in-pocket approach to early anti-inflammatory treatment. Allopurinol is a xanthine oxidase inhibitor. Xanthine and hypoxanthine are more water-soluble and easier to excrete than uric acid. We usually don't start allopurinol during acute flares, but it does not need to be held if the patient is already taking it. When starting allopurinol, it can lead to flares, so patients should be treated with NSAIDs or steroids one week before starting. The goal is to get the uric acid less than 6, and you should continue on the medicine indefinitely. Patients with the HLA-B5801 allele have an increased risk of hypersensitivity to allopurinol. You should screen Asian patients and black patients of African ancestry, because it can cause SJS or TLS and dress syndrome which are all very serious. Colchicine binds and stabilizes tubulin subunits, which inhibits phagocytosis of urate crystals and neutrophil activation and degranulation. The most common symptom associated with colchicine therapy is diarrhea, and it can make myopathy worse if taken with a statin. Intraarticular injections of steroids like triamcinolone are good since they act locally where inflammation is and avoid systemic effects of PO steroids. IL-1 inhibitors like anakinra are more commonly given for flares now, especially in patients with significant contraindications for steroids and NSAIDs, such as acutely ill cardiac patients or those with brittle diabetes. Peglodicase is piguracase and can be given as an infusion every two weeks. This medicine works because humans don't make any uricase. The main risk of peglodicase is allergic reactions. Lastly, diet alone can likely only lower uric acid by 1 mg per deciliter. You'll usually need therapy to lower your uric acid to a meaningful level. For trials and literature, we'll link off to a good gout review in the New England Journal of Medicine from 2022. Some key trials to know include the STOP GOUT trial, which showed that allopurinol was non-inferior to feboxostat, for preventing flares and for reaching target uric acid concentrations at 48 weeks. The CARES trial suggested an increased risk of mortality and febuxostat from cardiac events, but a follow-up FAST trial showed no difference compared to allopurinol. That being said, the FDA still has a black box warning on febuxostat. 
That's all for this episode. Check out pointofcaremedicine.com to see the templates we discussed, as well as the pearls, literature, and links to other resources.